Welcome to the Hyper Guy Motivational Podcast. Thank you so much for being here today. I, you know, I've been asking this wonderful gentleman to be on my podcast for probably about uh, probably like a half a year now, and mm-hmm. I'm so happy to be here. Ha- having a so happy that he's here today. So thank you so much for for being here, Willie. And it's Mr. Willie Jenkins. Thank you for being here, my friend. Thank you for having me, Fig. I really appreciate this. No, no, don't thank me. I'm thanking you for being on it. So, um, you know, Willie and I met, and Willie's got a, an amazing story. Um, he is a very successful businessman and entrepreneur. Um, he's been in contracting for many years. And then he opened up a couple of very successful sandwich shops and restaurants that are very, very popular, one in Inglewood and, and one at USC. And that's how you and him and I met. But I'm so, so glad that you're here. And I'm, I'm going to talk about your other stuff, too. You're a wonderful dad. We got that down. You got Thank three you. amazing children. And you're also an avid runner, a marathoner, and, and a snowboarder, which I didn't know, uh, which I, I, you're a big snowboarder, too. And, uh, and you're a community activist. You always get back to the community. And, and I want to pick your brain on leadership stuff and how you stay motivated and all the wonderful success stories that you had in your life. So where were you born and raised, Willie? I was born and raised in the Los Angeles area, um, primarily in Carson, California. Um, I went to elementary school, junior high school, and Carson High School, home of the Colts, um, in the South Bay of Los Angeles area. And what was what was growing up for you like in LA? Um, it was very interesting. You know, um, I grew up in LA. Um, I w- I came to. Um, like we called it junior high school back then, but they call it middle school. I was in junior high school right in the at the beginning of the whole gangs and and uh, drug scene because you had the 80s, the whole drug epidemic that was going on in the Los Angeles area. Well, going on everywhere. But uh, from my lens, you know, I was in the, growing up in L.A. And then it was also um, appeared for us uh, with the it seemed like the gang culture had been become real big when I was growing up and going to school um, in the early 90s. Did you, do you have any brothers and sisters growing up? Yeah, I, I come from a big family. Um, I'm right right there in the middle. You know, I have uh, four siblings above me and four below me. Um, I have two brothers, one younger, one older, and I have six sisters. Oh my God, you got a huge family. Yes. And what, was, what was it like growing up with so many kids in your family? It was um, for me being a middle kid, smack dab in the middle. It was a it was a good thing because I got to learn from my older siblings, you know, good, bad or different. Um, I used to hear their stories, you know, so I kind of knew what to look out for around the corner before I got there, you know. Um, And then also um, it put me in a position because you kind of have a hierarchy when you have a family that big, you know, so. Um, I knew that my role was to always be a, a, a protector, a provider, you know, um, it, it was just um, embedded in me that, you know, um, it's something I carry to this day. It's in Bluetooth. It means that I am because we are, you know, so I grew up with that mindset, you know. And what was your relationship like with your parents growing up? Um, it's uh, it was a beautiful thing where uh, my uh my parents, you know, they they came from humble beginnings. Um, my father was a general contractor. That's where I learned construction from. Um, the name of my company, I named it after my father's company, Rest in Peace. Um, 
he was a, a hardworking man, you know, a religious man. My mother, very religious, you know, so I grew up in the church. You know, I grew up um, understanding the value of family. And then also um, both my parents are from the South, Mississippi and Louisiana. So I, I, I'm a product of Los Angeles, but I have Southern roots, you know, so always was taught to be a man amongst men, you know, certain little um, things that my father taught me, you know, and um, one of the best things that um, my father taught me, he had shortcomings because he, he was an addict, you know, but he was present, you know, he, he struggled, you know, his childhood was tumultuous. So, um, but he would say things like, don't be like me, be better than me. You know, he would, always try to groom us to be prepared for a world that he wasn't able to to conquer in certain areas, but the areas that he was able to conquer, he shared that with us. And then I like to mix that with my mom's spiritual spirituality, you know, always, always believe in God, trust in God, you know, keep on fighting, you know, keep on um, um, being yourself, you know, so I just, I, I think I had a, a nice little mixture, like a gumbo, you know, like um, both sides, you know, the um, the business side comes from my father. You know, my, my father, you know, he owned six houses at one point. He um, he actually gave me the vision for the restaurant, you know, it's, he, he taught me as a kid, um, standing in line at a, at a fast food restaurant, working construction, he said, construction is feast or famine, but everybody got to eat. You know, so that was the 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 um the seed that was planted as I was probably like 14, you know. So um so I, I, I give that to my parents. They always taught me to um to dream and to to execute, you know. And what kind of hobbies do you have growing up? Did you guys uh what did you did you guys play? You have a you have a big your family is like almost like a size of a team. Uh, <laughs> did you what kind of what kind of hobbies did you have growing up? Um uh, growing up our house was the cool house. Cause you know, we had like the Atari, I think the entrepreneurship uh, grew from that. You know, we had the basketball, we had the, the, the ping pong table, we had all the bikes, you know, so the, we were the, the hangout house growing up, you know, I had a, a very good childhood, you know, for um, the most part. And um, hobby wise, it was typically like uh, with a family that big is like, what, what can we do that was uh, free, you know? So it'd be, concerts in a park it'd be um we, we would go to beverly hills my father would get us loaded up in a, in a van and we'd, he'd go take because he had contracts as a contractor and like um very um well-off neighborhoods so he would he plant the seed you know he, he he'll take us to beverly hills and be like that's where lionel richie lives and you know point out these facts that he learned in his walks you know and and as a kid you like you watching this like wow like we just literally left Carson 30 minutes ago and there's people living like that here, you know? So um, I, I think that was the, the genius of my father. You know, he, 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 um, he, he knew to plant those seeds, you know? What, well, I'm going to ask you this later on, but I just, it just made me think of this. Um, was your dad alive when you, when you opened up your sandwich shops, your first one? No, no. My father, at the point that um, I started the, the first one um, 11 years ago, my father would have been deceased about 16 years ago. My father passed away at um, the age of 47, very young, um, of a heart attack. <laughs> and um, but it was I was probably about 21 when my father passed. 
And um, but it, it taught me to, um, you know, always kind of carry on the legacy. You know, that was one of the things he envisioned. But no, unfortunately, my father, he didn't get to see the opening of our of our shop, you know, but um, what about your what about your mom? Uh, my mom did. Yeah, my mom, she um, she was at the grand opening. My mom was there for our, our soft opening. So um, it's it's uh, it's amazing to see my mom um, see something that her husband envisioned and to see it to manifest. I, I think that was a, a beautiful thing for me to see my mom get to see it, you know. When you finished up, so you had a very good relationship with your brothers and sisters. Yes. Did you have an idea that you said you knew you were going to, you kind of had a construction background. Did you know you were going to go into construction? So when you finished high school, do you, what kind of brought you down the path of entrepreneurship? I, I actually ran away from construction, but I, I was good at it, you know? So my, after my father passed, he was actually working on a project and my little brother and myself, we went and finished the project. So it was like a nice little book ending for me. I was like, you know what, as a kid, you know, you kind of had to do it. It was the weekends, summers, you know, I, I, I didn't take it for granted because I think it kept me out of trouble. Um, but it was always, it's, it's hard work, you know, so I wanted to work with a nice suit and work in the office. So I, um, I went to school for uh, HVAC, uh, thermodynamics to work in a field of uh, HVAC, like my brother, he was making good money. So, but, you know, I had a son on the way. I was supposed to be a correctional officer, but I got in a little bit of trouble when I was 19 for something I didn't even do. And um, long story short, I was waiting for my background check to come, come through. And so I finished school. Um, I got a job in facility maintenance. and um, And so when the background check came through, I was supposed to go to, you know, to the academy. Uh, I was like, well, I don't really know if I want to go that route where I'm already making good money. So I decided to uh, stay in facility management and that opened up the doors for me to um, still use my utilize my construction background because in facilities management, um, you have to know contract. You have to manage contractors. You have to understand um, how to deal with maintenance. You have to understand how to um, budget, you know, um, come off and control your budget. And then um, I got to the point where I had multiple sites, multiple sites and multiple cities and different um, states, you know, and then I was also a junior executive um, at one point, you know, so, and that's all without, you know, a college degree, you know, um, I was still going to school at that point, but um just working hard from what I learned from my father, you know, working the family business. So I always say, I, 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 you can't outwork me, you know? And well, that, that's what I really like because there's so many people that you don't necessarily need to have a college education, mm-hmm. but it's the grit and your motivation and your persistence mm-hmm. that, that has made you so successful today and your intelligence, just learning how to work. I mean, you started a business from scratch. Yes, and, learning, and learning all those things that, that's it, it's those are dynamic challenges and you took those things on when did you start your construction business and then what kind of construction business did you have so i started my construction business in 2003 i was still um working uh for uh, a company called 3d systems um i was um back and forth uh, between you know 
what do I want to do with my life? You know, I, I enjoy what I do in corporate America, but it was always that that itch that, you know, I think that seed that my father planted. So um, I kind of I think I started my construction business because um, being a founding man, I, I was married with three kids. And so my my um, ex-wife, she was in school. Uh, she was in college to become a nurse. So I was like, you know, well, I don't want to take away money from the household. So I started doing construction on the side, you know, and one project turned to a next one. And um, I met a gentleman who owned some apartments that I was um, doing work for. And he was like, um, I, I'll sign you off on your, your 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 general contractor's license. So I became a GC and um, I worked that, you know, worked through um, probably like two years with my my new license and. Um, took on, took on certain projects to kind of get a feel to to see what type of construction I wanted to be in, and so I worked from commercial to residential to industrial. Um, we even did utility companies. You know, I worked with um, the gas company. I've actually did federal contracts. So um, in the construction side, um, I've um, gone further than where my father went, but it was one of those th- things that. I had a, a head start from all the stuff that he taught me. So also have a C-13, which is fencing as well. So um, black walls, you know, um, chain link, um, wood, you know, we did it all, you know, and our specialty was what you call tenant improvements, which is you have a space like my restaurant, for instance, um, when you have a, a thing that you want to build out, uh, we come in and take on whatever the plans say and build it to the specs of what the customer envisions. So on the, on the uh, commercial side, we've done the Puma stores, I've done salons, I've done barbershops, dental offices. So um, that was our, our forte for many years. So I got to ask you this. This is a, people are going to say, um, what did you like doing the most when you were a general contractor? And what did you like doing the least? I, I love the, the creative. Um, even when I was a kid, you know, uh, growing up in Carson, some of the houses were, you know, probably 20, 30 years old. And so at that point, stuff starts deteriorating, you know. And so I just love to say that I was a part of a product that was a little bit beat up, but had good bones. And to take it from that and then to bring it into, um, into the, the current state of beauty and, and where the customer appreciates it. And I, I like the fact that I had a part to do with that. The part that I didn't like, um, but it's weird because I, I know it's a process. It was a part of the process. So it was um, sometimes sometimes the customer is not always right, you know, and to, to go in a city like Los Angeles, you have so many different backgrounds, different ethnicities. So, um, it was challenging, but it, it taught me how to um, understand different cultures and how to um, um, always, always closing. You know, my salesmanship uh, picked up as a result of working in construction. So now we get to go into this. Let me ask you quick. I'm gonna. I, I kind of digress sometimes because sometimes I have some questions in my head as a general contractor. Is there any advice that you would give people? when they're looking for a good general contractor? Um, the best advice is to um, compare apples to apples. Always get three bids. Um, that kind of sets the tone to understand what's at stake, you know, what you're up against or 
what you're facing as far as a, a consumer um, when you're dealing with the contractor. So now you could kind of see that this value that these three guys who came out or girls who came out, they gave you their numbers, but then you could start looking at the different things that they're saying that they're going to do for that amount. So you should have a, a pretty good ballpark. But then the last thing is once you kind of, you know, uh, break down whatever your bottom line is, whether it's cost, uh, professionalism, however you interact it uh, to be able to differentiate each um, contractor references. You know, you want to, it's, it's a lot of guys out there who make my job harder, you know, because um, I've always played it the right way and I've always been the honest guy, you know, and so I've always um, educated my customers, even if they don't choose me, this is what to look out for. So I even want to add that to it. You know, you want to, I think people want to do business with people who they like, you know, so um, have that gut, you know, instinct about it. You know, it's a, it's definitely a, um, a lot of money that people go into, you know, putting into their houses or their, their projects. So you want to make sure that you do your due diligence, you know? Uh, what advice would you give somebody if they wanted to be a contractor? And we're going to start getting off into the sandwiches, but I, I, yeah. these are some questions that I've always had and other people have asked me. Um, I would say that you want to make sure that you are in the right field, you know, cause it could be a, um, it could be a challenge because there's so many different areas that you could go into the construction world, you know, so uh, make sure you're, you're uh, proficient in whatever trade that you do choose. But then even with that trade, um, I would tell you to just go out there and try different things and then work with the one that you are the best at, you know, um, and, you know, kind of be a, like a one trick pony, I think, you know, because if you perfect that, um, there's always going to be a demand, but also I understand what that demand is, you know, so don't just be the best at something that's not a, a demand, but understand um, what's at stake with what whatever trade you do you choose, you know, so it's supply and demand like business one on one. When you were starting your construction business, what was the biggest obstacle for you? Um the biggest obstacle when we were first starting, it probably was time, you know, balancing because I was still working a nine to five and I had a family and three sons, you know, they were in music, they were in basketball, they were in karate. So it was just a, a juggling act. So it was uh, work-life balance uh, was the, the biggest challenge for me. Um, I was just fortunate, I think, because um, I was able to um, meet the right people at the right time. And that was just basically being active and, and, um, and working the process. Um, but the biggest thing is uh, I also learned too um, another little tidbit. Um, I learned this from one of my mentors um, when I, a guy named Eric, he was one of my mentors and he was a flooring guy, but he taught me that you want to interview your clients just like your clients are interviewing you. So it might not just be a good fit. You know, it might be something that, um, I could be of service by educating a client, but you just, we just don't, we're not a good fit. So um, the challenges that I, I, I had to learn, because I think that it's a learning curve in that, you know, you have to, um, you have to develop that, I think, you know. And so out of this business, you became a, a very, very accomplished uh, uh, 
uh, general contractor, and that grew into the the, the, the your uh, sandwich, your restaurants. When did that start? When did you decide? You know, what, I'm going to do it. And then when you, when did you actually go for it? And what made you do that? So the backstory was my father taught me about the the feast or famine thing, and that that's when the seed was planted. But I would say it took at least 20 years for me to actually execute. And I was in Oakland and I had went around, I was eating all the good food and went to some cool delis up there. And, and I was, I was kind of going through burnout on the construction thing. I'm still passionate about it, but I was like, you know what, let me see if I can, you know, um, leverage some of this money I have and into an investment. So I was thinking, you know, let me try this. So I already had certain things established on the personal level, but I, I wanted to do a, a restaurant because that's what my father had taught me, uh, told me about. So long story short, I um, I started looking at different locations once I landed in LA, back in L.A. from LAX. So I went to about three locations. And when I found the location in Inglewood, I, I just knew that was it. And um, I, I knew that I wanted to do like a deli because I'm not really a chef. You know, I don't really cook. But I, I made lots of sandwiches for my boys. You know, they grew up always on the run. So uh, we always made a sandwich. So let's go. Everybody in the truck. So we go on to the to whatever mission we, we had to accomplish that day. So um, but then even with that, you know, I, I found the location and then life hits you. You know, my mom had two strokes. My sister got diagnosed with lupus. Um, I had a hernia. So I'm just like all these health issues. I'm just like, but. It was something about that location. I paid for that location for years before we even opened up. Yeah. And so I was just, um, it was just like a calling or something. And then during that process, that's why I decided to go the healthier route, you know, so no grease, no salt, we air fry our food, you know, and that was because a lot of the sandwiches that we do there, they're named after our loved ones. And so they pass away for dietary related illnesses. So I decided that I would make that my mission to um, um, do it without the grease, do it without the salt, you know? And the reason for that is because now I have something that it's like, it's, it's something that makes me get up every day to go fight for that, you know, because I know it's bigger than me. So tell me what the process was. You found a place mm -hmm. and then what's step two? Steps. Like, 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 like in, ter in terms of like putting together like a menu, putting together, you had to, you had to build a, a, a restaurant like, you know, and, and so how do you, how do you go about doing that? Getting a licensing and all that. I'm sure it's not an easy process in Los Angeles and you're in California of all places. So, oh no, no, not at all. And during that time period, the, the building and safety in the city of Inglewood, the, the, the plan checker, he was sick. So I had to go through all these these steps that I've done all the time as a contractor. And then I would go back to my clients and be like, OK, we're going through this. But now it's my money involved, you know, and the, my first restaurant that I did was my own, you know. So I knew the process from other projects. But now it's not just the city. Now I have to also go through the health department. So that's just a whole another ball game. So long story short, it was so many different things, but the process was just to stick to the plan. And the plan was, uh, I wrote a, a Macklin business plan. 
And the the plan, even though there was certain things you couldn't plan for, we always created contingency. So the process started off where we had the first obstacle, plan checking, and then the the plan checker was sick, and then um, they had us to do what they call grandfathering the front end because you have to, if you go and do a remodel on a project, you have to bring it up to code, which I understand from a contractor standpoint, but when you don't budget for that from a, the customer standpoint, which I'm the contractor and the customer, it could be a, a, a large undertaking. So long story short, what I wind up doing was just taking it piece by piece, breaking it down. Um, going to meet with the people to get some kind of understanding so we can get the ball rolling on the process. So what is the alternative if the plant checker can get this project pushed through? What are our other alternatives to get um, this thing going? So just work through that process. Um, the, the health department, um, that's a whole nother ball game because now you have to go and make sure that you accomplish everything on their list too, which you just finished the list with the city. So um, if I was to talk to somebody who wanted to go through this process, I would definitely recommend them to have somebody like a consultant, a restaurant consultant, which I had at the time of our first restaurant. But there were still things that was outside of his expertise. So I would say that you want to have a contractor and a restaurant consultant that works together is what I learned during that process. So once we open up the first one, the second one, we had it all figured out so know. so when i go into those sandwich shops it's not as easy as it as it appears you walk in you automatically you're thinking hey you know this this is it looks like it's perfectly done in here it's pretty complicated to get this up and running um is 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 all the paperwork the most difficult part of it or is you're trying to manage everything at the same time it's more the um the timelines because you you have to get into it's the fir first in first out type of approach so it's the waiting processes, but there's timers going on here. There's materials being dropped off here. You have to work with the landlords on this particular aspect of it. So it, it, it really is a is a um a team effort, you know. And I it's it's just life, I think, you know, you just have to work at it and you uh, stay focused on it because um, like you said, you come into it after it's built, you thinking that it was just, you know a day in day out type of approach to it, but it's so many different challenges on the second one. I, I wind up having a head on car crash the day I, I passed the uh, health department's background. I'm coming to USC and car came from southbound and I was heading northbound across the median hit me head on, you know? And so it's just one of those things that trust the process. I would like to say, you know, so, Willie, were you the only one doing everything yourself? Um, no, I hired a, a, a team of um, guys who worked for me on, on um, both projects. You know, so my plumbers, my electricians, um, my my handyman. So I, I do have a team. Um, but, you know, when it comes to um, being the boss, you kind of you heavy as the crown. You know, you have to carry all those things because whatever those missing pieces are that those guys don't cover, you have to be the fill-in. So I was always the fill-in. Okay, so you, you opened up this store in Inglewood. I, I think you were telling me you, it's – luckily, it's near the football stadium. So yes. you get you – get so how close is it to the football stadium? And when did you open up your first restaurant? 
I opened up my first restaurant in 2018. Um, it was April of 2018. We just celebrated five years at that location. Um, and we are two miles away from the stadium. So we even um, are what, what you call a Rams house. We're a certified Rams house. So when the Rams won their um, NFC uh, West championship, we got to cater to the Rams. So I always give uh, a shout out to the Rams because uh, they're the ones who, I think build the momentum and they, they helped us understand what it is to do catering on that scale and giving us the opportunity. That's how we were able to open up the door to have the audacity to say that we could come to USC as well. So, so here's a question I got for you. How did you put together? You have a pretty extensive menu. How do you choose the right food? And you make some amazing sandwiches and you've got great reviews. Um, how did you decide to make your, how did you make your, how did you want to, I guess the process of making a unique sandwich? How did you do that? What's the process that you put? And I know, and you've got some old, you've got some other stuff there too. I want to talk about what made you decide on putting your menu together the way you did. Um, we started off with the, the people who work for me as a man by the name of Darnell Bing. I met him at a job fair. Uh, when we were opening up the first location, he has a low sodium seasoning. And that was the thing that he led with when I met him. So um, my team, you know, I, I had a chef who was um, studying at L.A. Trade Tech, a lady by the name of Sandra. Um, she came in as our, our, our chef and she kind of walked us through um, the vision, which was, you know, low sodium, no grease. And so we came together as a team. So I, I gave him the vision and with the right combination and the right people, um, I was able to accomplish the first menu. And a lot of it came as a, a result of trial and error. You know, we did test kitchen. So we, we really made it a community thing because our, our menu was even more extensive than what you see now. Um, but when the community came in, they would request certain sandwiches and they would requ request certain tastes. And um, we would always give them pushback because we don't serve pork either. Um, we're really diligent in, in having a, a low sodium, low fat um, content um, menu. So that was the only thing that I was focusing on. But then we also had to get the taste right, you know. So it was one of those things that was a balancing act. And so um, we were like feeding the community at the very beginning. Um, to get feedback, you know, how do you guys like this? What is your, so we got a lot of input. We would do surveys. And, um, and so once we had it dialed in, I, I, um, we started naming the sandwiches. And so I started naming them after my loved ones who passed away from, you know, food, food, uh, diet related illnesses, you know? Okay. So now, well, you got to give us, uh, your most popular sandwich. The name of these sandwiches and then some of the foods that you uh, some of your most your some of your, I guess your most popular foods. But I want to go over kind of like uh, what the process was in terms of what you decided to put on the menu. Yeah. So what we decided was um, I wanted to have signature sandwiches and the signature sandwiches are named after like, again, my loved ones who passed away. So our most popular sandwich is called the Lucy May, which is named after my grandmother, my, my uh, paternal grandmother. And it's an air fried chicken sandwich. And so I played with that sandwich for a little while. We had the low sodium seasoning. So the biggest thing was it started off with the bread. Once I discovered the ciabatta, 
I knew we had something. So we put that bad boy on the ciabatta air fryer in our air fryer, and we were off to the races. Our most, our second most popular sandwich uh, would be our last thing, which is a it's a, a chicken salad. We make a chicken salad uh, that we make in house with our own seasonings, uh, low sodium. And that's named after my my maternal grandmother, which is called the Lestine. Our third sandwich is the Big Wheel, which is I'm a junior, which is named after my father, rest in peace. Um, and that's our barbecue chicken sandwich. It comes on a brioche bun. So we tried to go after the menu from a standpoint to make sure we had those things locked in. And then we went after um, Borset meats and cheeses. So that's uh, no GMO, no artificial coloring, no artificial flavoring. Um, anybody who's into the deli meats and the deli sandwiches, that brand alone, that that name brand alone stands on its own. So we we kind of uh, did a partnership type of thing where the people who know that name, um, that's what we created the sandwiches. As long as it fitted the low sodium, um, the low sodium thing, that's what we went after. And you got to mention your tuna sandwich. Oh, yeah. My bad. I forgot that. I don't know why I forgot that one, because, you know, that's my go to as well. But uh, that that tuna, the, the backstory on that, that's from a lady by the name of Sandra, who was the chef who helped to set up our, our original menu in Inglewood. I, I love her to death. Um, she there were certain things that I do with my tuna that I personally used to do prior to opening up the salmon shop. I made my tuna with eggs in it, with relish, with onions. It was just the way I grew up eating tuna, but she came off and she put those dry cranberries in it. And when she did, I'm like, huh? But it's it's what it's what it's our signature taste, you know, it's what makes us and it just basically brightens up that 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 tuna, you know. It's just and then we use albacore tuna, which you know is um, you know, the best tuna to use. And it's my my favorite. So I, I was honored that you you took my word for it that first day I met you. Well, one of the things I like about you, Willie, is that when people come into your shop, I mean, there's a lot of owners that they they stay pretty disconnected from their businesses. You're lucky if you ever see an owner ever come into a to their own restaurant. But you you actually split time between two restaurants, and one one people whether it's students or or people at your Inglewood store, when they come in, you make uh, a lot of effort to interact with your customers and introduce yourself and tell them, Hey, you know, I'm the owner and this is what I suggest. And you're always taking input from people, how to make your business better. And one of the other things that I really love about you is that you don't just talk about it. You, when people come in, you're giving them samples. You're like, you know what? When someone says, Hey, you know what? I don't know if I want that. I don't know if that's for me. You say, you know what? How about this? And you start giving them samples. It almost reminds me of a, uh, there's a, there was a, a restaurant I used to go to, and a, there was a woman. It was her restaurant, and when I come in, she'd give me everything she was cooking there. She would give me some of it, and mm-hmm. and and that's one of the things that you did too. Is that you have a lot of side dishes as well, mm-hmm. and I don't think I've ever been in there where somebody comes in and you didn't. If you were there, you say, "Hey, have you tried this?" or "You've tried this." Mm-hmm. What are your some of the side dishes that you that you have? And I know you have some specialty side dishes as well. Oh, yeah, man. We do this um, new mac and cheese that one of the girls, Destiny, who works for me, she just came out with a low sodium, lactose free mac and cheese that's incredible, man. And so we, we, we're revamping the menu as we go along and we're about to feature that as well. 
We do um, our air fry, sweet potato fries. We do our turkey chili. We do a tomato bisque soup that's lactose free as well. And that's the, the, the things that we really pride ourselves in that we giving you that, that taste on the main dishes, the entrees and also our side dishes. So um, the, the mac and cheese, I, I'm bragging about that because um, it, it's just to me to be able to get good tasting food without all the, the stuff that's not really the best for us is how, what I pride myself into, you know? Willie, what are the, the, what are the biggest challenges to opening a restaurant? And we talked about a little bit earlier, but you have two different locations. And I remember you telling me, and I don't, I did we didn't do a deep dive on it, but you, you said to me, you know, it's one thing I got the Inglewood location down. Mm-hmm. What was your challenge? You moved into, you're one of the few minority owned businesses at USC. Mm-hmm. What were the challenges moving to that campus and opening up a restaurant? Yeah, the the personal one was for me to I just literally had the accident and it was it was a challenge to I couldn't even walk at one point, you know. I, I got up and and but I couldn't stop, you know. So um thank God for the therapy, thank God for the chiropractors, thank God I even had to have surgery on my back. So that was a personal challenge, but even the day-to-day grind, I thought, oh, I work construction, it's going to be easy, but food is, 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 a, is a very uh, heavy lifting business, you know. Um, at the USC location, um, your, your staff, you know, my, my team, you know, I'm only as good as my team. So it was a challenge to get the right personnel in there. You know, we went through a whole new shift from the people who started us off with who we started off with to who we have today. So um, I'm very humble based off of that because I couldn't go, but I had people who were willing to go for me, you know, um, and then also understanding a new demographic. So it, when you write a business plan, you have contingencies, you have um, things that you forecast. Um, it's like Mike Tyson said, you know, you can always plan for a fight, but you don't know what to do until you get hit in the mouth. And so um I think for me, the challenge was to get hit in the mouth and to keep swinging, you know, because I had a a notion that this is what would work and this is the direction we had to go. But the the biggest challenge was to be able to check myself and to go back to how I started back in Inglewood to get input. You know, people like yourself, um, customers who come in and um, give me their um, opinion, you know, give me a little tip is. let me know what the culture is on the campus, you know, so the learning curve, you know, so um, it's just, I, I, I think um, remaining humble, you know, and keep swinging, you know, so the challenges, they're going to be there. Um, I, I, I had to just basically reference it to what I already known at the Inglewood location and how to overcome that. So it was a lot of, um, a lot of memory that I had to tap into, you know, to figure it out. You know, I figured out this location, so I'm going to figure this one out too. So, um, and it's a total different demographic. You know, we could go from anywhere from uh, 25 to 70 at our Inglewood location. And at the USC location is mainly students, you know? So, and then from different ethnicities, different cultures, you know? So 
Um, the cool thing about what we offer with a sandwich, though, is universal, you know. And so we had to be able to present what we offer to these different demographics and these different backgrounds. And and the biggest thing was just to believe and trust in the process, you know. You know, I always think about when I have a conversation with you about resilience and grit because you never give up no matter what you're, you know, there were times you're like, you know, I'm opening this business figure out. And I have to say, I, I have to believe that one of the most difficult challenges, and I think we brought up, brought this up, is getting business in, especially after COVID. Mm-hmm. How difficult was it for you to get through that COVID time? Because we know the impact on restaurants that COVID had. And you were, you were working on opening the USC location transition when people were transitioning out of COVID, the lockdown. What were those challenges like for you? It was tough. So even when I told you that process earlier, when we were talking about going through the city, going through the um, health department, a lot of the people retired from the health department after COVID, you know, so you also have people who might not be as experienced, you know, in doing the, 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 um, their job. Um, so that became even more of a roadblock because now there's more time put onto a process that already was lengthy. And then there's other things that you had to hit on your schedule. So it was tough. And, you know, phone calls and you businesses that you did business with prior to COVID, some of them were shut down. So I had a process that I, I'm like, OK, I just need to call Paul and or call Tony and and Tony and Paul are not there no more. You know, their businesses are gone because of COVID. So um, I the last number when I was really stressed out from the first location, how do you focus on keeping a business open when you see so many of them around falling or closing. And I think the last number where I was worried about that was like, it was 48,000 restaurants that closed during COVID. That number was just pretty early on too. So I never gave it any more mind. So I just basically went through the process, but long story short, that wind up being something that I didn't even anticipate. You know, I'm thinking everything opened up and it's just going to be back to normal. But it was it was so much time added on to already a lengthy process. So um, I just basically kept chipping away, chipping away. And um, it would be if you got five minutes to do something, we would try to focus in on that five minutes and know that tomorrow we have to allow another five minutes to get to it again, because we probably wouldn't get the the full thing finished that the, the previous day. So it was just basically, like you said, being resilient, you know. How'd you name it the sandwich shop? I don't think I, when I say this, I think people are going to probably look up sandwich <laughs> shop. It's sandwich. the yeah, yeah. So you're going to have to go to explain how do you spell this out and why did you choose it? So it's called the sandwich shop. So our signature sandwich, the Lucy made my grandmother from Picayune, Mississippi, recipe. She would call a sandwich a sandwich, and that's a southern slang for a sandwich. Um, a lot of people in the Midwest, they use that same, that same terminology, um, but it's like a, a, a slang typically from a Southern roots, but um, depending on the, the cool factor, you know, people, they call a sandwich a salmon. So it just is paying homage to my grandmother. And then um, I say shop because it's the S-H-O-P-P-E as opposed to just shop S-H-O-P um, because I'm born and raised in Cali. So I'm giving it the, the, the Southern uh, roots is where I come from and the origin of the, um, 
the concept, but then I'm also paying homage to where I grew up at it, which is in Los Angeles. So to give the the shop the um the presence of of of, of mind that we do offer Southern flavors, but we also do it with your health in mind is what we say with our tagline. So William, I'm going to ask you this like a it's a big big question, especially nowadays when people talk about starting a business in California. Mm -hmm. Do you, are you happy you started a business and it does this business fulfill you? Yes, I am because um the the cost, the 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 thing that we built is bigger than me and there was a there was purpose behind what I did. So I think it had to start off in Inglewood because it's um it's like full circle for me. I, as a as a baby, I I lived in Inglewood and and I drowned in the city of Inglewood in a pool accident. So it was like kind of it just felt like I was coming home to like really figure out like what does this community need? And so it was it had to be where I started off at. Um, I believe that we can be a national chain. I think we could be an international chain. I think that this thing could be as big as um, God allows me to take it. Um, but the, the reason why I don't mind it being started in California and it's, it's a challenge, but it's kind of like that song by, uh, Oh, blue eyes, New York, New York, you know, you can make it here. You can make it anywhere. You know, I think it's a hard, um, it's a hard sell to, to open up a business in California, um, uh, because all the taxes and all the overhead, but I, I think if you start off in a, in a deeper end of the pool, it should be easier when you're swimming in other waters, you know? So um, I'm, I guess I'm a masochist. I think I like pain, <laughs> but at the same token, um, I, I just believe in um, trusting the process. So uh, if I was talking to somebody starting, just basically um, just don't be denied. You know, if you, if you, if you have something that you've created and you believe in it, um, I just think that those roadblocks, they just, they're there, but they're there for, I, I always tell my staff, we don't take losses. We take lessons, you know? So um, it, if it's there, it could be overcame, you know, just like you were telling me you're a triathlon um, runner. You know, I, I think that having that discipline, being in the marathon running segment, you just have to keep going, you know? Um, and and the, other, the other question I guess I have for you is, um somehow i don't even know how you had time for this but um with all with all the things that you do um how did you get into how did you get into the marathon world and then and then you also you're a snowboarder so how did you get into that i was at my restaurant one day and um there's a guy by the name of um barack obutter that's his screen name he's a, a good friend of mine of mine his name is butter he uh, he has a uh, he has a running club called Keep It Run Hundred, and one day I'm at the Inglewood location. I just see people walk by, run by, run by, and I'm just like, "What's going on?" So I go outside, being nosy or whatever, and it's just this community of people who are just in a, in a running club. And I had just had my my physical and uh, my some of my results wasn't the best, and. The doctor said that you might want to start, you know, doing some more physical activities, you know. And so I'm like, well, let me give it a try. Some of my buddies was a part of the club. So I joined the running club. So we would go out every Thursday, run three miles or so. 
And it just like that became like my um, my therapy. You know, I was able to do that. Then the three miles turned into five, five turned into 10. And um, I saw the um, L.A. Marathon um, announcement come up and I said, do I want to try it? Um, It was going to be for free uh, through the club, but I got into like I procrastinated. So what I wind up doing was I signed up myself with my own money. And um, the first one was the half marathon for Pasadena. So I, I, um, I ran the half marathon for Pasadena as training during that. And then I ran the, the LA marathon shortly thereafter in November. And so I was hooked after that, you know, and then uh, the snowboarding, a friend of mine, he introduced me to it when I was about 35 or so. And I, I just fell in love with it. It seemed like it was just fate, you know. How often do you go snowboarding? Uh, typically per season, at least four times. I'm very busy, but um, I didn't get to go at all this last season. But I'm going to definitely double up that effort this this upcoming season. But um, typically about a good four runs. I, I've learned about, um, I, uh, it's, I believe it's called, I forget what it's called. It's called Lewis, I believe. It's a snow um it's a it's about 45 minutes outside the LA, uh, the Las Vegas Strip. So I like to go to Vegas, too. So try to kill two birds when I'm out there. So, Willie, I always, end, I always ask some fun questions at the end. I know you listen to the podcast sometimes. So mm-hmm. and uh, what is your favorite guilty pleasure food wise? Because I know you're the food connoisseur. <sighs> I'm a sushi guy. man. I love uh, I love um my salmon, my baked Alaskan, it's a salmon roll, man. That's my favorite go-to, you know. Um, but I also love Mexican food, you know, being in L.A., a good Mexican spot, it definitely uh, hit the spot. What was the older self advice-wise give the younger version of Willie? Um, hmm. Believe in yourself. Um you you have it. You you're more than enough. You have it um, based off of this circle. You know, um, you always want to create your tribe. So trust in yourself that you have the right people around you. So be, believing in yourself is uh, where I would definitely say is the mo- the most important thing. But also developing your tribe, you know, is the most important two things I think that I had to develop over the years, but I would have told myself uh, 20, 30 years ago to focus in on that. That's, that's key. You know, if you could meet one person and it could be any time in any time in the history of the world, who would it be? And what would you say? Um, Muhammad Ali. He's my hero. Um, and I always ask that as an interview question to some of my, um, my people who I hire over the years. And the reason for that is because um, no matter what, you know, we're, we're here having an earthly experience and we're all human beings. Um, you're going to make mistakes. You're going to um, have some triumphs, but that perseverance, that's something that's near and dear to my heart. And I think he embodies that. So I, that's why I chose that name. If you could be one superhero, who would it be and why? Hmm. That's a good question. Um, Superman, because I I love the fact that um, he's selfless in both states, you know, being um, 
Clark Kent, <laughs> you know, for the day job, you know, but he's still in character. He's still true to who he is in both of those settings, you know, and to be selfless, I think is uh, is a good trait, you know, so um, I would say Superman for that, for those purposes. Best part about being a dad. Wow. Um, that's the best thing. I, I, I feel I'm accomplished. Um, I've had an amazing run. Um, I I hope that there's more to this story, you know, and I'm gonna bust my butt to make sure that it comes into fruition. But um, that's my pride, man. It's like to see those guys when they were first born, you know. I just and then the men that they've become, you know. They um, it's it's amazing that you were the teacher, and now I have all adult children now, and they teach me some things, you know. So um, that's my pride. So it's just. I could talk about that the whole podcast. You can have me back, <laughs> big, but and, it's just pride, you know. And and what do you want to be remembered for when you're no longer on, on living? Um, I believe I went to the King Tut exhibit, right? And my father has been gone for 27 years. I would like to um, have his legacy. You know, um, I would like to make sure that I continue on pushing his legacy. Um, and the, the reason being because at the King Tut exhibit, they talked about the Ka and the Ba. The Ka is the spiritual force that you have within you. That's who makes you fig, you know? And then the Ba is the same spiritual force, but then after you pass on, you know? And the reason for that and what, what makes that important because you want to live a life that your, your name is still being said because after you die, you die, they say you die twice. You die the physical, and then you die the second time when the last person says your name. So I want to live a life that um, my name lives on. It might not just necessarily be Willie Jenkins, but it's something that Willie Jenkins did. And I've had that example where my father, who's been gone for 27 years, and my youngest son talking to like one of his cousins or his little sisters and, and telling them that, a story or an example on how to live life, a, a moral or ethical thing. And it was based off of something that his grandfather taught me and he never even met his grandfather. So it's just those, those, those things. So um, that's what I fight for, you know? Well, you've been an amazing guest. This is, I, 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 every time I have a podcast, I learn so much from my guests. That's one of the reasons I love the podcast. So um, I just want to thank you so much for being here today. If they want to come by your restaurant, what's the best way? Can you spell out? Uh, can you spell out the sam the sandwich name for sandwich. me? The yes, sandwich. yes. Can so you please? Can you I'm spell sorry. out and then your and then if you can give uh, your contact information, uh, the location of your stores, your website, and all the other good stuff. Yeah, so it's called the Sandwich Shop. That's T H E the Sandwich S A M M I C H E Shop S H O P P E. Uh, we're located at in two locations. We're at 222 East Region in the city of Inglewood. Um, we're also at USC Village. That's uh, 3201 South Hoover Street. Uh, we're Suite 1845. We're nestled in right between Cava and El Gardena in the USC Village. Um, you can also reach us on all the social media platforms um, as the, the Sandwich Shop, spelled out like I spelled it out earlier. 
And um, if you have to get in contact us with via phone, our Inglewood location is 424-331-5378. And our um, USC location is 213-538-5411. Thank you so much, Willie. And you, you've been such a great guest. I, I really appreciate, appreciate how humble you are and you just your work ethic and you have such good energy and you, you work so hard in your life. I mean, when I meet you, you know, we've had a lot of conversations and yes. you're just a very driven, good person. So, you know, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you, listeners, for listening to the podcast. We'll have another great guest like like Willie on next time. Thank you so much for being here, Willie. Till next time. Keep learning, everybody. Take care. Thank you.